Well, hey, all you wiretappers out there, back here in the studio of Gangland Wire, another another little shorty, another bonus episode. This is going to be about Tony Accardo, your favorite from Chicago, uh, the genuine godfather, as Bill Romer once called him, uh, the big tuna, uh, a real Joe Batters, as uh, Al Capone called him. So speaking of Al Capone, according to legend, and I'm going to have to look at my cheat sheet, Paul Rica once said of Accardo, this guy has more brains at breakfast than Al Capone had all day long. So uh, Paul Rica had uh, had high expectations and a high regard for Tony Accardo, who would be his second in command, basically, and would step in for him. When Rica went to the penitentiary in 1943, I believe it was. Now, in, in 19, in the 40s, the outfit sent some guys out to Hollywood, California, infiltrated the, uh, I, I believe the stage hands union and, and the, they'd already infiltrated the projectors union in Chicago and music in the, uh, movie theaters. So they got out to uh, California and then they started extorting money out of the labor unions. And then from there with the labor unions under their control, they were extorting money from the, uh, studios it was it was like a golden goose laying a golden egg for him and and i understand that the actor robert montgomery finally spoke up and and gave the uh, heads of the studios the courage to uh to go to the government and and to fight back against this extortion uh there was they had a guy named willie byoff they'd sent out who was kind of the main chicago guy out there they'll eventually kill him years later you know they, he's kind of the the origin of one of the stories how the mob will get you no matter how far you run and how well you hide. They blew him and his wife up down in Phoenix, Arizona, years later after he had turned and, and testified against him. So in 1943, the government will convict Paul Rica, Charlie Cherry Nose Joey, Louis Little New York Campania, Johnny Roselli, and a couple others uh, who weren't from Chicago, I don't believe, in this extortion. They all got 10 years in the penitentiary. Well, Rica immediately sent word to Accardo that, you know, hey, you know, I'm going to the penitentiary. You got to step in for me and and told Accardo, first thing you got to do is get us out at our very first parole opportunity, which was in three years. Now, everybody said that would be unheard of. That would never happen. They would never consider these organized crime guys for a parole after three years of a 10 year bit. Well, Accardo got it done, and and in their first parole opportunity at the end of three years, they all walked out of the penitentiary and came back right back to Chicago. They weren't supposed to, but they came right back to Chicago. But during their time in the penitentiary down at Leavenworth, Rika continued to run things, and he wanted to continue to have direct face-to-face -face conversations with Anthony Accardo, kind of like John Gotti and John Gotti Jr. did when he first went in the penitentiary. So they came up with a scheme because Accardo, the, the prisons at that time were, they were locked down a lot more and had a lot more restrictions and would enforce those restrictions. They came up with a plan. They had, there was a tax lawyer for Rika and Campania uh, named Bernstein, uh, Elmer Bernstein, I think was his name. And, and he had a associate in his office named Joseph Bulger. So when Bernstein came to visit Rika and Campania as hit their lawyer, 
their tax lawyer because they had tax problems. He brought along his associate, Joseph Bulger, only it wasn't really Joseph Bulger. It was Anthony Accardo who signed in as Joseph Bulger. And they did that during the whole time and they were in the penitentiary. Uh, right after they got out, the, the scheme came to light through, I don't know exactly uh, what means. So the government charges them, uh, Bernstein and Accardo, they charge them with conspiracy to defraud the federal government by uh, subverting the rules federal prison system allows as visitors and who they don't allow as visitors had a whole jury trial and it was a federal trial too it wasn't like a local you know cook county jury i don't know where they drew the jury pool from but the the supposition is they got to the jury because they got a not guilty on that jury and it was a uh, you know it was a slam dunk case uh Everybody knew it. They had witnesses. The guards could testify. Yeah, that was Tony Accardo. That wasn't Bulger. They could look at signatures. And there was just a lot of, you know, had a lot of evidence. They got a not guilty. So that's uh, the power of the Chicago outfit in the late 40s and, and early 50s, all the way up to the 70s. They, they were powerful. So that's just a, a little insight into the relationship between Rika and Accardo. And of course, as we know, Rika comes back out. He he stays back in the background because he does not want to go back to the penitentiary again. He eventually will have a Cardo step into the background and they appoint Sam Giancana as kind of the out front boss. So, but Rika and Accardo will, will go up to, to Mayo's Northwood restaurant almost every day and meet with people. And, and basically they approved anything that was major, any, any big deals had to be ran by those two guys and, and they had to give the nod to it or not. And of course, then Ayupa comes along after Giancana becomes persona non grata and goes to Mexico. And then when he comes back and he tries to reassert himself, they kill him. And Iupa becomes the boss all the way up to the end of the skim and in the late seventies, early eighties. And he goes away and, and, you know, we'll leave the rest of the progression of the mob bosses. But I thought that was just an interesting little story about the relationship between Paul Rica and Anthony Accardo and how important Accardo was and what Rica thought about Accardo. And, and as he wanted to pass along the reins of the powerful, really national, international crime syndicate known as the outfit. Cardo was his man. Thanks a lot, guys, and I appreciate y'all listening. Don't forget, if you have a problem with PTSD and you've been in the service, go to their website and get that hotline number. Uh, I like to ride motorcycles. Look out for motorcycles when you're out there. I mixed that one up on you, didn't I? And if uh, if you have a problem with drugs or alcohol, our friend Anthony Ruggiano works in a treatment center down in Florida. Get a hold of him through his website. There's a hotline number. You'll see it if you're on YouTube. And so just go to his website, uh, Google Anthony Ruggiano or go to YouTube. You'll find him. You'll find that hotline number. Thanks a lot, guys. And, and I appreciate y'all coming back and listening to me or watching me and listening and be sure to like and subscribe or give me some reviews on on the podcast. I never I forget to ask for that. I, I used to do that all the time. I, I forget as I've been along. I don't know. I just I do this for fun mainly. Anyhow, thanks a lot, guys.